calling all reactive dog owners. I made a program just for you. Reactive Redefined is an online coaching program that will give you the practical skills and the emotional support to make huge strides in training with your reactive dog. Reactive Redefined is open for enrollment now, but only for a limited time. Reactive Redefined closes for enrollment on January 15th. So if you want to be a part of this life-changing program, head to my website, agfdogtraining.com slash reactive redefined to learn more. to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. everyone welcome back to another episode of disorderly dogs the podcast uh another reactive redefined case study edition so i have one of my lovely reactive redefined students with me tonight and she's going to share all about her experience inside of reactive redefined for everyone listening if you are not sure what reactive redefined is it is an online coaching program for reactive dog owners um reactivity meaning your dog lunging barking having a hard time at dogs people squirrels deer, right? So this is the course for you if you have a reactive uh, dog and you need support. So um, Aaron, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Rachel, for having having us on. Um, and I say that in, in me and Moose, my dog, <laughs> we're, we're both here. Um, yeah, it's a real pleasure. We're, I'm an avid listener, so it, it's a real honor to be on the podcast. Um, and also just, I love talking about my dog. So thanks for the opportunity to chat about him further. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I'm the proud dog mama of a, a little over two-year-old Australian shepherd named Moose. Um, Moose is just a bundle of joy, of energy, of fun. Um, he's high energy, smart, loving, um, hilarious with a little bit of mischief mixed in there. Um, he loves all things water. So loves the ocean, beach, um, lakes, rivers, streams, puddles, your sprinklers, your hoses. He's, he's into it. Um, so he's a, he's a true, true water dog for sure. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just, um, my fur baby. Uh, and so yeah, glad to be here to speak about him a little bit. Yes. Okay. So um, I want to backtrack and just hear a little bit about um, how Moose came into your life. Yeah, we got we um, got Moose through a breeder. We did quite a bit of research on um, kind of responsible breeding programs and uh, found a breeder that we were comfortable with her practices um, actually outside of Tahoe. Um, so we've had Moose since he was uh, eight weeks old, brought him home at eight weeks, um, kind of immediately put him into uh, you know, kind of the puppy socialization, puppy classes, um, and then into, you know, basic obedience, intermediate obedience. So we've, uh, Moose and I have been on the training journey together since uh, just after birth. Yeah. Since the very beginning. Yes. And I think, you know, I think it's important for everyone listening because like a lot of the people that, I, that have reactive dogs come from a rescue situation. And I think that people don't realize that it's not necessarily from a traumatic experience, right? It's not necessarily from like a life of, not good, right? Like you've had Moose since he was a puppy. Arguably, he probably hasn't had very many bad days in his life. Um, so reactivity is not only related to dogs who have had negative experiences or not great backgrounds. And I think that that's really important to highlight. And I think too, you know, because of Moose's breed, it just makes him more likely to present some of this reactivity stuff on, stuff on the leash just because of 
those natural instincts to chase things, right? Like hurting breed. For sure. Yeah. Moose's uh, we, my husband and I sort of affectionately call him the motion sensor, like, like no motion, no action, no movement should go kind of unrespond, like unresponded to. He, uh, and, and our, I've, I've read a little bit of, of kind of Alexander Horowitz books as, as well, right? So like inside of a dog, she talks a little bit about kind of the differences in breeds and some of, I think, things like photoreceptors in their eyes, right? That make them more responsive, um, you know, to certain things and, and are often traits that we call out about those breeds. And so, yeah, Moose is incredibly um, responsive to movement. And so I think that it, coupled with a bit of his, his high energy, right, his sort of working drive there, I, I think can make him more prone to some of the reactive issues that, that I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to hear, kind of hear like timeline wise. So like, I know you started training right away with him. When did you start to notice some of the reactivity? I probably started noticing it somewhere a little bit after a year old. Um, and you know, I, I was sort of thinking back into, was it, you know, like in a day's change that I start to see this and, um, it's interesting. It really was like he prior to we had been, you know, up to a year working on kind of a loose leaves walking some of the kind of basics um, for helping him exist in the world right that's that's maybe not totally built for him. Um, and, you know, we had never really had any issues with him being reactive to dogs or humans or, or even things like skateboarders or, or bikers right while on leash um, and then uh, moving a few months after we moved into kind of a new neighborhood, um, just noticed a, a change in his behavior on leash. Um, and and I, I, maybe I was slow to, to kind of recognize it, but he started to kind of lunge at humans first, uh, humans that kind of got too close to us. He kind of lunge at or bark at and, you know, seemingly a kind of very aggressive way, which, which you know, a 70 pound dog coming at you in, in a scary way is, is scary for anyone. Um, yeah, it's, it's something you want to avoid. Um, so it kind of seemed to start with humans a little bit. And then I noticed him kind of lunging at dogs as well, even dogs that were across the street, um, more so dogs that seemed to be um, more reactive, less kind of dogs not paying attention to him. But yeah, he just we started to notice a change in his behavior on leash. Um, and probably, you know, I'd say about six months ago or so, um, you know, I had been kind of trying to work through it on my own. I'd, you know, work with some trainers in the area all, I had thankfully started off with a positive reinforcement trainer. So I had, you know, I quickly figured out that was sort of the, the, um, the training route or, or um, area that I, that we felt most comfortable with that worked for Moose and I. Um, we worked through some trainers, you know, I, I get a lot of like shaming as the human, you know, Moose's behavior is a result of me. I need to do better. <laughs> uh, I didn't love that. I didn't love paying for that. <laughs> I, I didn't feel so great after it either. It didn't make me want to go. <laughs> um, all the things, right? So we worked through a couple trainers and then um, honestly, there, there was sort of a, a moment when I came home at, after a walk with Moose and, and told my husband, like, we need to do something about this. This is becoming unsafe. So one morning Moose lunged. Uh, I didn't see it coming, but there was kind of a dog and a, and a you know, its owner coming around the corner and Moose lunged across the street into and fall and just dragged me into the street. And, you know, had a car been coming, we both would have been hit. Um, I'm laying on the ground in the middle of the street. He's still lunging, right? He's still kind of out of control. Uh, and that was a little bit of a click of like, this is becoming unsafe. We, we need to figure out, <laughs> we need to figure out a way to manage this. This isn't working for us. So um, yeah, I, I thankfully had a friend who followed you on the gram and had been digging into some of your great resources and was like, you should check her out. Like, go look on our website. And then I, and then, you know, obviously I emailed you and reached out and, and kind of got into the class. So. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I think that, it's really normal developmentally in dogs to see pretty drastic changes in behavior in that age range, 
right? So when dogs hit social maturity in like the one to two year old range, it is super normal, right? So like, it really doesn't surprise me at all to hear that timeline and like add that in with his breed, right? It's just kind of like, you know, I like to describe it as it's not like rainbows and puppies anymore, right? Life becomes a little bit more serious and dogs perceive that there are like higher stakes and it changes, right? Their behavior just changes. Um, and I think everyone listening can totally relate, right? Like, oh yeah, I've been dragged down. Yeah. Yeah. Really good times. Right? Like, oh yeah. It's just, it's not, I mean, when you think about, and I you know we talked about this a number of times, it's like, I, you know, I just want to like get my coffee and go on a leisurely stroll with my dog. Like, it's just not happening. Right. And so uh, that's probably not ever, ever maybe a realistic goal with Moose and I, uh, which is fine, but, but safety is and needs to be right for both of us. So um, uh, yeah, we just, it, it was a real kind of turning point to say like, we need, we need to get some help clearly, um, fumbling through this on our own, on the interwebs is not a solution. So, <laughs> right. Okay. So I want to hear from you because I know that, I know that people and dogs can both be triggering in and of themselves, but, um, I feel like something that we kind of uncovered is that, that there's maybe an, a different emotional reason for the reactivity as far as people are concerned and then like the flip side of that is dogs yeah yeah it's, um you know part of part of the course i think one of the great parts of, of the course is is helping me kind of understand um and really kind of writing down in detail and, and kind of digging into uh moose's triggers um and some of the behavior that i can i can re recognize leading up to those triggers right to kind of help keep him below the threshold and, and keep us i think in a good in a good kind of safe place together um, and, and I would say that personally, I, I think Moose's, the emotions behind Moose's triggers are a combination of, or a combination and individually kind of frustration and fear. So I think with humans, it actually is a little bit of stranger danger fear. He, um, I, I would say, I think, I think he is just better socialized with dogs admittedly than he is with humans. I mean, let's, let's see your local pandemic. We haven't had anyone over since March, right? He's still been a puppy since then. So yeah, he's, he's not doing great on the human socialization factor for a number of important reasons. Um, and I'm sure a lot of folks who got puppies recently can, can like sort of relate to that. Um, I think with dogs, I actually think it's frustration. So dog is, Moose is an incredibly well socialized um, dog. And I'll say that as his proud dog mom because we've tried really hard on that front. Um, he actually goes to an off-leash dog camp several days a week and has since about you know, 16 weeks or older since he was kind of fully vaccinated. So um, in my experiences in a variety of settings with Moose, he's, he's really good with dogs, particularly off leash. And so I actually think he just wants to hang out with them. He wants to, he wants to play, he wants to run, he wants to greet them on his own terms. And so to me, I actually think it's a little bit of frustration that the leash prevents him from greeting that dog in the way that he would like to do it. So um, yeah, to me, it's, it's sort of fear and frustration are some of the emotional drivers for some of his triggers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that like, when we label a dog reactive, sure, that's okay for like, you know, surface level purposes, but we have to dive deeper, right? Because Moose being frustrated about a dog, yes, we're doing some of the similar protocols, but we have to acknowledge that like in the human side of things, we may have to give him more space. We may have to work slower. We may need to use a higher value food reinforcement just because of the different emotional cause of the surface behavior that we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, in fact, I have to use a much higher value treat 
when there are other dogs on leash that I want to keep him sort of under threshold, <laughs> you know, around um, and kind of manage his emotional response. And I do with humans, just point blank. I, I've got to go like full high reward and 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 really like up the cadence on the on how much I'm giving him around a dog on leash versus humans. I can kind of get away with like a medium level treat because he's like, eh, like. I'm, you're here, fine. We'll walk over here. here. You know, I'll take some treats. Um, but the frustration, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting to, to see the differences in kind of the emotional response. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the stranger danger is not contingent on the leash, but the reactivity to dogs is. Right. And I think that those are distinctions for everyone listening, right? Is that if you haven't already, right, kind of gone deep and kind of tried to discover some of that, you need to know those details. Right? Like you need to know that, right? Like Moosh is great with dogs off leash. The reactivity is contingent to the leash. But I think something that, you know, we, we dug into is how could we translate these concepts around the, the stranger danger to other situations where he's not just on leash? Yeah. Yep. And then in fact, are things that we're, we're still sort of working on as we hopefully in the future, you know, welcome people back into our home and like, you know, see friends on the weekends again, right? We, it, it's something that we'll honestly need to do more work around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you described a little bit about what it was like walking loose before you started reactive redefine. So he was seeing people, he was seeing dogs, particularly other reactive dogs. And he had a very like lungy response. Was there barking and stuff that kind of escalated from the lunging? Yep. Lunging and barking. And, and what, again, sounds and looks like sort of a very aggressive kind of way. I think if you were less savvy about dogs and or obviously maybe hadn't met my dog and, and didn't know how well socialized he was off leash, um, you would think that maybe he was aggressive. And, and it's, yeah, it's just not true. If I were to let him off, which I wouldn't because he's not car aware, you know, the, you know, around walking around, um, he would probably immediately run up to the dog and play that, right? He's, he's really just looking to sort of greet them and um, largely play with them on his own terms. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, can you kind of share with the listeners, um, as far as like the information you got, the, the specific feedback you got from me, the training exercises inside of reactive redefined, what was the most helpful? What was the most like pivotal for you? Like kind of like an aha moment, like, oh my gosh, this is what we can do to decrease this stuff. Yeah. And I, I just say I got, um, and not just because I'm on your podcast, Rachel, but I, <laughs> I got a lot out of your course in a way that, um, I think has probably helped me more than the previous three trainers we worked with combined on it. So, I mean, one, just a big thank you to you and your team. It's, um, it's just given, I think me a lot more confidence. Um, you know, there's some of the, some of the differences I think between your course material and kind of set up then, you know, maybe in both group classes and, and which I quickly learned don't work for reactive dogs. Um, and then private class, private training, which is more oriented towards reactive dogs um, and, and better for the successes. You know, you've got sort of this very important human component and kind of recognizing in the course content and the way that you're delivering it, that you, you can't just get at the dog, right? You've really kind of got to get at the human and some of the baggage immediately that we're carrying around our dog's reactivity to help us be successful, right, as a team. Um, and then there's, a, of course, important kind of dog component that's um, aimed at helping me um, work with Moose as a team and kind of develop skills um, uh, to, you know, kind of get better together, I guess. And so just starting with the human component, um, I kind of learned to recognize and manage some of the feelings that I have related to Moose's reactivity and to be more realistic in the expectations I have for him um, and ways that I can manage the environment, right? To the extent feasible, you, you don't have full control over everything, but ways that I can manage the environment around us to set him and I up for success, which 
was game changing, just totally game changing and, and different um, than any of the trainers I worked with previously. Um, even in what I find interesting is even in kind of positive reinforcement training with with other trainers, there is a little bit of human shaming, <laughs> right? That that um, that if my dog's not getting better, it's my fault. I'm not doing it right. And maybe some of that's true, fair, but not fully, right? So um, uh, that I think that was sort of uh, huge and critical for us to to kind of really dig in. Um, and make some and make some improvements uh, on the on the kind of dog side on the moose on the moose front. Um, some of the early classes and exercises where you had us kind of really paying attention to our dogs, making kind of detailed lists of uh, their triggers, um, recognizing their body language before they respond to triggers. Um, you know, just kind of deepen, strengthen my understanding and awareness of moose of of you know what was really triggering him what i needed to look for some of the, some of the signs um you know before he got uh, as he was responding to a trigger before he got above threshold ways that i could then kind of prevent it or interrupt that cycle um and keep him below threshold um you know when we encountered triggers that you know maybe lower medium level triggers and then working to change some of those higher um higher level triggers and associations so um yeah, I think the the human, the dog component there, you know, there are also maybe two other points. There's, I think, recognizing that there are also situations um, that are not good to train through or, you know, that you need to, there are situations where you just, you got to get out of there. Um, and so knowing that if I, that I had some skills to deal with some situations um, and uh, if I felt like the situation was more than Moose could handle, right, that it was okay, allowable to just fail. So, you know what, this isn't working for me and my dog. We've got to go. I wish it did. You know, I wish we were better and, and I'm trying to meet my dog where, where he is. And so we've got to go. We're going to do an emergency U-turn. We're going to run out of there, right? <laughs> we're going to do whatever we need to do to kind of keep us on the same page and keep that, um, you know, keep that trust that we've built up, that I've, that I've built up with Moose. Um, and the, the other piece I want to say, which um, was really kind of echoed in our closing call and, and unfortunately the class is over now, I'm kind of bummed about that. But, um, you know, the, the sense of community is not to be understated. It's, um, I think that's the big difference really in working with a, with a trainer one-on-one, -on -one, right? Is to be able to have a group of folks who come together, you know, with some regular cadence, weekly by weekly and, and um, get to talk about their challenges to uh, share advice, things that have worked for each other. Um, and just honestly, like kind of create and hold space for each other to say like, you're not alone. <laughs> you know, you're not crazy. Um, <laughs> even if people are looking at you nuts when you're jogging and throwing treats at your dog to like avoid another reactive dog on leash, right? Or, um, or I'm, you know, basically hiding behind the bush so I can create a visual barrier for my dog and, and throwing high value treats at him, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that you guys aren't going to judge me. And that there's a, there's other folks grappling with some of the same things. We're feeling the same way, the same frustrations, um, uh, and we're we're sort of there for each other. And that that was huge uh, for us because I just I felt a little less alone uh, in my in my reactive journey with moves. So um, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it brings me so much joy to hear your feedback because you know I think something that I, I really take a lot of pride in and is very high on my priority list is while I love dogs and I want your to help you change your dog's behavior, you were my major concern. You know what I mean? And like people, I love people. I genuinely do. I adore the connection. I adore getting to know people. And if, if I really want the dog to be successful, I have to empower the owner. And I think, you know, giving you the permission that like, if it's not going well, you can just bail, right? Like, I think people are really surprised to hear me say that. They're like, what? I'm like, oh no, you can totally just leave. It's totally yeah. fine. Like, it's like they're all harmony. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, there's, there's variables that we can control. There are variables that we cannot. And I think that 
just taking that pressure off of yourself and realizing that like, you don't have to force him or yourself through a situation that is not going well. I think that in and of itself is a huge burden taken off of your shoulders, right? Like, okay, cool. Well, we'll just get out of here. Right. Like it's, it's not worth it being an aversive experience for you or for the dog. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And I think the, um, the ability to just say, you know, this, this, this walk isn't working. We, we are trigger stacking at this point. We've run into too many triggers. His, he, his sort of threshold is getting lower and lower throughout the walk, right? It's time to go home and, and maybe focus on some enrichment activities or play in the backyard or, or whatever it is, you know, based on kind of where you live. I think that permission was game changing because I would just struggle through walks of like moose is high energy. He needs the exercise. And I would just sort of barrel through and come home a mess, just angry with him and pay, you know, frustrated um, that he just, you know, we couldn't get through a walk without, you know, a number of kind of reactive sort of episodes, so to speak, to, depending on who we ran into. So yeah, that, that was, it, it was, I think just a, a game changer for us um, to know that we, we didn't need to just struggle through things, right? We could, we could go do something else. So yeah. And like, I think that the, the group element has really just grown into more than I even imagined truly. And I think that, you know, it's easy for me as a dog trainer to explain something and try and help you understand it. But I think that the element of all of these like non-dog trainer people, right, who we all have our, everyone has their own lives and their own career and their own hobbies, but coming together, I think that that, I think that that setting has been so beautiful because like, I can't understand the same way that like someone who isn't a dog trainer can you know, and I don't pretend that I can. And I love that everyone can come together and support each other. Right. And, you know, I think that the emotional support cannot be, that's an essential part of the whole equation. Right. Like, and, and I love seeing you all get to know each other. And like our last call was like, so freaking emotional. Right. And, you know, I love that. I love that we could be there and emotionally available just as human beings for each other and recognizing that like shit hits the fan sometimes, right? Like it does, dogs are living, breathing creatures. Sometimes things go awry. Um, but I think knowing you're not alone is so powerful. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's been huge. And I think I, you know, I voiced this in, in one of our calls uh, throughout the class that, you know, something that I really struggle with is just friends, family, stranger judgment, right, of, of my dog and I, right, that this, um, this idea that, like, Moose's behavior is a reflection on my husband and I, and maybe how poor we're doing, or, or, or the things we're not doing, right, well, and so I, I really struggled, I think, with, with aspects of the emotional um, piece of this journey with Moose, to be honest, and so to have other folks um, just around the kind of virtual table, you know, seeing some of the same emotional reactions or, 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 or uh, encountering some of the same responses from loved ones, despite, you know, how much work you're doing to, uh, with your dog to kind of um, better equip them to kind of exist, to, you know, exist in this world. Um, was it, was, it was just continues to be sort of a difficult aspect for me. So I think the, the community, the sense of community, the support, knowing that there is a, if I'm having a tough day or um, I can share an experience in an upcoming call or through one of our, you know, digital forums, um, I think is a huge asset of the course. Yeah. Yeah. And like those people knowing how big of a win, something that the ordinary person wouldn't understand or be able to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. To say like, I, I know this doesn't seem like a big deal, but Moose and I walked past the dog on leash the other day, right? And we say the whole threshold, right? And that, you know, breaks into applause. It's, yeah, it just, it's huge. That sense of community is everything. I think especially now, right? We're, we're all in, in the midst of a pandemic and 
Um, in varying states, they're kind of rolling back measures and, and kind of forcing folks back in, you know, back into home, shelter in place around the holidays. So uh, even having this online forum to have a sense of community around this, uh, it was huge. And something I look forward to, quite frankly. Yeah. Oh my God. And I mean, selfishly, like I need that too, right? I'm human. I'm not able to see like all my people in person either, you know? Okay. So I want to kind of hear about where you and Moose are at now, right? With like dogs and seeing dogs. I know, I know that um, it's, it was a very common theme in the chorus that like there was one nemesis dog in everyone's neighborhood that was like very difficult for the dog to, to handle. So can you just give the listeners kind of a sense of like, um, the progress you guys have been able to make together over the, the length of the course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think with, with your help, with your, your guidance or team's help, um, we've, in, in just the, the short um, kind of few months of the course here, a few weeks, uh, we've made, what I would say is pretty significant progress on a lot of Moose's low and kind of medium level triggers. Um, so these are things, you know, like kind of uh, other folks walking or even jogging near us. Um, uh, uh, some uh, like, you know, folks riding bikes um, on skateboards, rollerblades, kind of, you know, moving at a little bit faster pace. Um, uh, something that Moose has in common with Waylon with your dog, a little bit of managing his response to wildlife. So smaller wildlife, like rabbits and squirrels and things that he would typically kind of lunge at and, and go after. We made a ton of progress on, um, a, you know, a little bit of allowing him to engage and, and kind of look at it, but then really focus back on me and be rewarded for that um, and kind of keeping him in, in a calm state. So we made a ton of progress on that. And I feel just generally more equipped to go out in the world with him around some of these triggers, which is huge. It makes my walks more enjoyable and just our lives more enjoyable. Um, so that's pretty great. Um, we definitely still have some work to do on some higher level triggers, which I, I would consider kind of um, dogs on leash and, and reactive dogs like moose on leash who might be lunging and barking at him, uh, regardless if they're on the same side of the street or you know across the street, you know, a ways away. Um, we have a ton of work to do around our nemesis in the neighborhood. So yes, we, we have a German Shepherd nemesis and it, it's not to say German Shepherds are bad by any means. I've, uh, my best friend growing up had one, love German Shepherds, great dogs, just that, you know, uh, this dog and moose just have a thing and, and they just sort of don't seem to be able to coexist in a space together. And so there's always a, um, we've got some work to do when we kind of run into this particular dog in the neighborhood, um, uh, just walking. So yeah, you know, a little bit of the, coming out of the class, a little bit more of a, a calmness in the recognition that this is just going to be sort of a, a lifelong journey with Moose. And um, I think some of the, the, the skills that, the skill set that we now have and the practice that we have under our belt in that skill set doesn't make it feel as overwhelming as it was going in the course. I think, you know, even just reviewing resources online before before um, joining the course, I, I, I felt a little daunted. You know, I was feeling exhausted. Um, I felt like having a reactive dog and having to work with them for the rest of their lives, uh, you know, like seems a little daunting. I, it seems maybe more than I thought I signed up for, to be honest with you. And so like having some of these skills, having practiced some of these skills and having made progress, it, it just doesn't seem, um, yeah, it doesn't it seem as daunting of a task. I see the progress that we made in a short period. I know that we can get to sort of a um, continue to make progress in higher level triggers. And then there'll just continue to be sort of a little bit of a maintenance help. And then of course, there, I'm sure there will be other things that pop up in Moose's life that make him a bit reactive that will then kind of reprioritize re and kind of, you know, focus on. So um, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. We're, we're still on our journey together, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I hope that Moose ends up being the longest living Australian Shepherd in the world. So, you know, he might be alive for the next 20 years for us to work on this. There you go. There you go. Well, and I think, you know, I think that something is that is challenging for us as humans to wrap our minds around is the fact that there's not an end, 
right? Like it's, it's not like they're just trained period. That's not the way that it works, right? They're, they're emotional beings that are growing and learning just like we are. And I think that, you know, I think that part of the course is kind of like, I guess the hard truth of like, you're, you're going to be working on this for forever, but it's going to get easier. And I think that I really trying to design it so that you have the tools so that long after the course is done, you are still using all of the skills you got, you know what to do going forward instead of feeling like, how are we ever going to get through this? And the other, like to totally echo that. And I think the other thing I would point out too is it was all, this sounds sort of ridiculous in hindsight, and I'm not sure why I was kind of so naive on this front, but you at one point in the course kind of just reiterated that, um, you know, their progress, that, that training is is not linear, right? That they're, it's not going to just be, we're just going to get better. Every day we're going to get a little bit better, right? The, the reality is there's going to be some valleys. We're going to take a step or two back. Um, uh, Moose, Moose and I are going to have good days and bad days, and we definitely had a couple of bad days recently. You know, a couple of the pandemic, we're not getting outside. Moose certainly feeds off of my emotions as well. Um, we've had a couple of bad days recently and recognize that those, those bad days will occur, but keep kind of making progress, keep moving forward, keep reinforcing. Um, I think was something that just changed my perspective maybe on it. it yeah, it gave me, gave me the space to have a little bit more grace and, and, and play the long game, right? As opposed to the short game. I need to see these changes immediately or we are not doing it correctly, well, good enough, right? Insert term here, but um, to know that we're playing a long game on this and that we just need to keep making, we just keep, keep needing to try together. We need to maintain, I need to maintain Moose's trust, right? That's sort of fundamental to this exercise, trusting each other, work as a team um, and know that we'll grow, right? And just kind of get better over, over a longer period. So that, that was, I think that just changed the frame and changed, yeah, changed the game a little bit for, for me, so. Yeah, and for everyone listening, something that we do in the course is we talk about challenges and we talk about wins. And something I really focus on in the challenges is that, you know, sometimes you just have a shit day and things are off and that is okay. But really focusing on what was challenging, what is the data we can take from that to inform future training sessions so that we can turn it into a win. And I think that that cognitive skill as humans is huge, right? Because it's so easy if you have a reactive dog just to dwell on like, okay, well, he was terrible at this. He was terrible at this. Okay, but if you can take a step back and look at, well, damn, he was really good at this today, we can focus on that. And then we can start to get more of that and celebrate more of that. And I think that it just takes the pressure off of, you know, like, oh my God, I failed the dog today. You didn't fail the dog today, right? The day just happened. It just happened. It's, it's, it's not a, a, a fail or a win, right? It's just a day. And yeah, it, it is basically right. Yeah. And, and changing how you changing how you respond to that um, and use that to, to guide the work that you're doing in the future, I think was hugely helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Erin, um, do you have any advice for reactive dog owners who are listening right now who are struggling? They're having harder days and then they're having easier days. Um, I mean, I think first and foremost, you're not alone. You just heard about Moose and I and the journey we've had in just two short years. And we've got, um, as I just mentioned, a number of years ahead of us. So um, first, yeah, I just want folks to know you're not alone. And, and I know that there's a big spectrum uh, for reactivity, right? So that there, I'm sure folks, you know, dealing with maybe a higher level of reactivity than us or even a lower level of kind of reactivity. And maybe it's just one small area that your dog's behavior is 
is really challenging it. I think regardless, just, just know you're not alone. There's a community of us out there who are struggling equally, uh, maybe more, maybe less, right? Um, and, and are, uh, you know, looking, um, I think, to make some of the same changes that you are as well. I, I think the other thing I'd say is, is, you know, go get some help. I, I am a good example of where I, I spent probably six plus months just like floundering on the interwebs, looking for, you know, reading materials, going down various rabbit holes, trying, you know, various things on my own, some of which worked, some of which didn't. Um, and so I, I'd say, you know, like anything else in, in life, when you have a healthcare issue or you have a finance issue, right? You, you don't typically solve it yourself. You go get help from an expert who's trained and knows what they're doing, right? Go do that for your dog and you, because you don't need to struggle alone. There are folks like Rachel out there who have amazing courses and content and experience um, and expertise to share with you. Um, and I think can really help shorten that learning curve um, and just make it kind of more enjoyable. Give you, give you, um, equip you, equip you with some of the emotional skills as well um, that you need to, I think, show up for your dog uh, in, in the day to day on this difficult journey um, and make progress. So I'd say just knowing you're not alone, um, you know, reach out to folks like Rachel, uh, get some help. Um, uh, and if you can, like, just kind of maintain a, a sense of humor about it, because I think that's the only other thing that's kind of gotten us through is sometimes it's just ridiculous. Sometimes I'm literally on your lawn in a bush with my dog, <laughs> doing my best to keep him below threshold. Don't judge me. <laughs> you know, like, get in the bush with me. We can do this together. Oh my God. Right. And everyone listening, if you see someone hiding behind a bush with their dog, maybe do a favor and just give them a smile and a nice wave. Right. Like we're doing amazing. Yep. Just get out of there. They've got it handled. Yeah. Give them a word of encouragement and keep moving. Oh my God. Erin, thank you so much. It's been a total delight to be a part of your journey. And I know that you and Moose are just going to keep kicking ass and taking names. Thank you. Really appreciate it, Rachel. Thanks for the space talking about my dog. I love him death. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me, you could leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to help more like-minded individuals find us.